Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Leader Podcast. We're very pleased today to be joined by Mr. Stephen Greenhouse. Hello. Hello. Stephen. You didn't say it was the first one. <laughs> no. Yes. This is this is this is this is the very first one. We're really good. Yeah, I'm is, thrilled. We're breaking new ground here. <laughs> so yeah. Um, would you like to introduce yourself just a little bit? Tell us about um, what you do and yes. Um, so uh, my name's Stephen. Uh, I work for Samuel French, and we are a global publishing and licensing house of plays and musicals. Uh, we're a very old company. We're 189 years old, um, but we're looking good for it. Um, <laughs> uh, we have an office in London of about 20 people. We have an office in New York of about 45 people, and we have a bookstore in Los Angeles and a bookstore at the Royal Court Theatre. And our job is simply to A, publish plays and musicals, B, license them, and that simply means that if uh, another company or group of people want to put on a production of that piece themselves, they'll have to negotiate the rights for the ability to do that, and they will come to us. And in that respect, we act as an agent on behalf of those titles and those authors, of course. Um, we license to both anywhere from the school sector to the amateur sector to the university crowd, um, uh, youth groups, community groups, all the way through to professional uh, productions as well. Um, in addition to that, publishing licensing, as I just mentioned, also we're a retailer as well. We have two stores, we also have other distribution networks, um, but also we retail on behalf of other people as well. There are other play publishers, there are other licenses, and we sell on behalf of those guys as well. So. That's our job, uh, and we do it all over the world. Um, we're quite internationally known as a result of 189 years hard work, um, uh, and th we also have partner companies across the land too who work on our behalf to help us increase our reach, if that makes sense. Yeah, amazing. So I think we're gonna talk a little bit more about that potentially a bit later on. We'll talk about your Fine. role and things that you've done in that role, but let's start from your time here. You're an alumni of Durham? I am. Yes. I graduated in 2004. Um, I went to Castle and uh, I have a degree in theology. Amazing. And so what was your time like here other than with your degree? Did you do get involved mm. in societies? What was your what was your vibe while you were I here? got massively into the theatre scene when I was here. It's what I, in, in hindsight, looking back, I think I wanted, I knew I wanted to work in theatre, but I didn't have the confidence to go straight into uh, uh, an acting course or, or, or something like sure. that and there was that mentality in my family of get yourself a proper degree first and if, if all falls down then you've always got that um, but in truth actually looking back I don't even and this is no criticism of my schooling necessarily but I'm not even sure at that stage I really knew what opportunities were available for me and so going to university um, was just a very natural step I chose theology because um, I'm not a church goer myself um, I should say my family are a Christian family, they're Methodist. They went to church, um, but they weren't particularly aggressive with it. They weren't necessarily uh, ha uh, hardcore about it. Um, I then went to a Catholic school, which as a Methodist, that was a different thing. Um, and so church was just always around me and I found it interesting. And so when it came to choosing a degree, people do English literature, people do history, and just by chance I chose to do theology. Um, my mum would say in hindsight that my degree here was in theatre with a side of theology, which is very fair to say. Um, I didn't have too many, I don't know what the system's like now, but I didn't have too many lectures a week, which of course then lent plenty of time to be getting involved in all sorts of bits and things, whether it was, I acted in a few shows, but I quite quickly realised that I wasn't very good. Um, actually, I became more interested in directing, so I directed a number of shows here. But I was also just very connected with all the other societies, Dulog, The Review, uh, uh, I imagine they're all, st of course they're still yeah, here Yeah, still now. happening. 
Um, I don't think there were as many companies then as there are now, from what I can gather. Um, but I was very connected as part of it. And I would often lend a hand. So I'd be that person if somebody pulled out your show. I had a few phone calls about that. Um, but also, I've been stood on that assembly room stage at three o'clock in the morning with a fag and a pint painting set furiously, like I was that person. Uh, and I'm I not sure you it. get away with that now. No, I'm, you really I'm couldn't. Not, I feel like there's definitely some sort of rule somewhere that I'm says... I probably couldn't have got away with it then, but we did. Um, there's at least three rules in there somewhere that... <laughs> all broken. Um, but that was just the kind of person I was. I just loved getting involved and people just knew they could pick up the phone and, uh, and ask me to do stuff. Sure. I was at the castle and I ran Castle Theatre Company for a mm. year. I ran that in my second year and then passed it on to one of my best friends in the third year. Um, I didn't get involved in Edinburgh too much, but I was involved in, like I say, the review and I did do bits and pieces with Julog as well. Yeah. So in terms of leadership, there was probably quite a lot of opportunity then from, from Castle Theatre Company, but also as a director, that's kind of a leading, yeah, a leading role very in much production so. as well. Very much so. Castle Theatre Company was a great thing to take on and I think I, when I took it on, I gave it a bit of a brand and um, I, I, I just sort of tried to sex it up and make it a bit more uh, prominent. It's, it's a very well-respected theatre company and I'm certain it's very well-respected now because of course you've got all the assets of the castle to play around with mm -hmm. as well. At that time it was open to any member of the university to audition and be a part of those shows. I don't know if that's the case now, I hope it is. Um, I t saw it as a wonderful opportunity to get local people into the castle as much as students when we did shows that we did shows out in the garden I don't know if you do that now um, but I when talking to the castle about how important the theatre company was I basically turned to them and said this is one of the only things the castle does which unites students and members of the local community too in the same space and after that they gave me lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like you did a pretty good job then. No, uh, but I was just, I was really passionate about it and uh, passionate about taking advantage of the entire surround that we had. Sure. So was that kind of your first foray into leadership then? or? or? Um, I would say so. I would say that, um, I would say so. Uh, when I came to Durham, I was a very different person than I am now. I was a very quiet person. I was a very shy person, a very awkward person, actually. Um, one thing I should uh, say is that there's a lot of disability in my family and so there was a lot of other people that had a lot of things going on in that family. And that didn't affect me negatively and in no way did I feel neglected or anything, but it just meant that I naturally played a, a step back role while other things were being sorted. But one thing it did do though, I would say, is that it also just made me far more grown up than I needed to be at that time. You had to grow up very, very quickly. If I'm being completely honest, uh, you'd be at school and boys would be talking about girls and boobs and then I knew that I'd be going home to go and bathe my elder disabled sister. So actually there was, a, uh, a, if anything, when I came here, I was just much, I was much more mature than I needed to be. Um, I was a very different person in so many ways. I had a shaved head, I wore sportswear, I, I was... I, I, I can't it, possibly imagine it. It was a, a very different setup back then. Um, but I remember leaving school knowing that I was leaving a lot behind me and was looking, I came here looking forward to that next adventure. Um, and so I was ready and willing to sort of just start doing stuff. And drama and theatre was one of the only environments where I felt naturally uh, uh, in control and I knew what I wanted and I knew what I was doing. So it really did, I came here wanting a platform and this university provided it for me. I would That's say. amazing, yeah. So I think sort of leading in that sort of environment has its own sort of special considerations when you're leading a group of your peers as well. Was, yeah. that, was that something that you found difficult to negotiate or was that not something that never really came up with your, with, with your leadership? I there? think I was really supported by the people around me. I think I developed a good team of people around me, <clears throat> some that we, I worked with regularly um, and some that were new, but I think there was just a natural 
sense of uh, respect if you were directing a show. I think there's a, um, I think uh, people enjoyed working with me. I think um, actually I know a number of people now that uh, I've directed here in the past. Um, I, my first production here was a production of Oedipus, which was in the Great Hall, and the guy playing uh, Oedipus was a Cuffs guy. His name's Nick. Uh, and he's now a doctor in Bristol, and I was at his wedding last year, and so knowing that 13... I mean, those relationships, particularly if it's a, an important, a key role like that, and the role, relationship between the director, it could, go, it could go horribly wrong. But like I say, if X amount of years later I'm sat at his wedding, then that, that's a good sign. It sounds very good. So moving on from Durham then, what was your, what was your journey from that fateful graduation day to, yeah. to, to where, we, where we currently are with Samuel French? Um, I was always really conscious while I was at Durham about the next step, what happens next, more so than the people around me. I don't mean that to be <clears throat> disrespectful of them, but I remember when I was uh, doing various things, people would look at me and think, oh wow, gosh, you're, you're, you're on it. Um, I don't know if I considered myself on it at the time, but uh, I was very forward thinking about what happens next. And so while I was at university, um, I I just got on with it. I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I made my own rules. So I started writing to theatres, saying, hello, do you do work, work experience or internships or what have you? So halfway through my degree, I did a, an internship um, uh, in a venue in London, um, uh, which I, I found a way to make work. I slept on sofas, but it, it worked. Um, I then, after, in that period between my final exam and... Uh, uh, graduation, that joyful period where you all go to the pub every day and you have balls, etc. I had a, an internship at Ealing Studios. Um, uh, I did bits and pieces like that just to kind of flesh out the CV, really. Um, of course, everything I did at university I still thought was important, all the shows I was uh, directing and producing, Castle Theatre Company, but I also tried to get out as much as possible as well and try and experience that world. And it worked, so that when I, um, it, my first job wasn't a corking first job, but it got me to London, I'm not from London, it got me to London, and that was working in a drama school, um, and I was very, very lucky, incredibly lucky. Uh, a job came up that June or July, uh, working in an admin role in a very respected drama school. Um, I, I applied, interviewed and got it. It was my first stab, which actually I think is really irresponsible of me to say that at this moment in time because it makes it sound like everything was so easy. I can tell you now, I've since applied for 200 jobs and not got them. So that first stab went well. Everything else, <laughs> everything else went well afterwards, but it, it's not, uh, I've just made it sound like it was really easy. And it's really, I want to be really careful that it's not always that easy. And I know that because I experienced it later. Um, but I guess there's still an aspect of you had to really put yourself out there in lots of ways before you even left university to try and get absolutely. try and get that role. Absolutely, I wanted to just keep. I wanted to create a CV and in any which way I could, and I just took opportunities where I could find them. Um, working at Ealing Studios was fantastic. It wasn't I, the film world isn't a world that particularly interested me, but it was a great opportunity there. Um, again, it just got me to London, it got me talking to more people um, uh, and imagining a future life, actually that was a key part of it as well, like getting used to what that felt uh, to be back in London. And so what with the drama school job, I was in London and working by September and so that turnaround was quite extraordinary. It did a number of things, it brought me to London, it introduced me to a, 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 the beginnings of a network of people and also I didn't really know what my next step was going to be and it was through working in drama school that the route of either casting or being an agent, which is what I later became, um, became available to me. I had an understanding of who those people were, I developed people who would reference me for jobs, I developed a, a list of people who would point me in various directions etc and by hook or by crook after two years I then found myself working as an agent's assistant in a company and I was then there for nine years. 
after which I then moved to another agency. The first agency I worked for specialised in actors, still going strong and still have a wonderful list of actors. Um, uh, they also represented a list of creatives and by that we referred to the directors, the choreographers, the designers, etc. And I started to find that much more interesting with all due respect to the actors in the world and the people that I was very happy working for. I started to find that much more challenging um, and interesting. And whilst I was at that agency, I started to develop that list myself as an agent in my own right. And so I built up quite a body of creatives across the board that did all sorts of wonderful things. Um, I left that company after nine years simply because I'd been there far too long, really. Um, uh, however, there was another company that specialised in creatives only that I'm very pleased to say picked me up. Again, it makes me sound like oh, everything was really easy. And amongst all that time, there's hundreds of jobs I didn't get. Um, but they picked me up um, uh, because they were aware we were on similar projects. If I had a designer and a choreographer, they may have had the director and the lighting designer or what have you. Um, and I worked there for 12 months. Um, which is a very short period of time, and I feel uh, uh, in many ways it was too short, but that's when Samuel French came knocking. Um, and that, as much as I felt like I was leaving my previous job too soon, it was also an opportunity I couldn't turn down. Um, that, what I would say, though, is that the last boss um, that I have, who I left after 12 months, um, she's one of my best friends and biggest champions. Love her dearly. That's great to have those sort of connections from. Absolutely, be nice to people on the way up because then you'll need them on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, that should, that should we should soundbite that and just have that, have that absolutely <coughs> everywhere. It's completely true. Yeah, that's that's always good to take forward. Mm. So lots of different sort of aspects. You didn't just go straight from where you were to Samuel French, or even in no. the same. Same in industry, the same but arena. But no, no, not at all. And I said that in my interview in Samuel French that actually uh, I've never done something like this before. So if, if you're up for this as much as I am, then let's give it a yeah. go. <laughs> so you were thrust into that leadership. You, you were the UK rights director. That was the job that you got as Samuel French. And that, <clears throat> and that is what I still do now. Yes. So I am what's called the UK rights director. Um, and it's a senior position within the company. It is, um, like I said, there's about 20 people that work there. There's the managing director and one or two others above me. But my role essentially is new work and maintaining the relations with authors and agents of the past as well. I am sort of their go-to person. Mm. Um, we're a very historic company, like I said, and so we work with Agatha Christie and Noel Coward and Tennessee Williams and Tom Stoppard and <coughs> all sorts of incredible people. And they all have agents and representatives, and it's part of my role to ensure that our relationship is as good as it possibly can mm -hmm. be. Um, that said, though, it, the role is also about looking towards the future as well. It's wonderful having these people, but I've come into this role asking in a hundred years from now, who are we going to be celebrating as the great then? It's important for our longevity as a company that we're already invested, that we that we inv continue to invest in the new. <clears throat> and that's a direction that I took the company that uh, I've played a large part in direction in the company. The company had started to do it before me, but I don't think anyone would, would deny that I've invested a lot more energy into that. Um, from a UK standpoint, mm -hmm. and that applies to both plays. Um, I've got a press, uh, a show tomorrow in Manchester, uh, which is by a brand new writer, and that's at home. And I just can't wait to go and see what he's doing there. Uh, but also in terms of musicals, we have we're one of the only companies that handles both plays and musicals. Both of them are massive arenas in their own right. Um, we're thrilled to be doing both, and we look after some astonishing musicals too. We look after Chicago and. Uh, Rock of Ages and uh, La Cage of Fall and uh, gosh, a million things. Um, uh, musicals, our catalogue was very largely informed by our US office, a lot of Broadway titles there, which is great, wonderful. But I came into the UK company feeling slightly competitive about that, thinking, well, actually, there's some bloody stuff, good stuff happening here. Mm. And where have we been in that conversation? Why have we not been part of that new musical theatre dialogue here? And so that's an arena that I've chipped away at and uh, have attempted to open up much more and made Samuel French much more accessible in that conversation. 
Um, of course, it's also part of my role to solicit work as well, to maintain relations with agents because I want them to tell me when they've got that next big thing coming through and to see what relationship, we, what services we can provide for that. In addition to that, my role has numerous different facets. In addition to that, um, uh, my, myself and my team, we handle all the contractual elements as well, all the negotiation that comes through all of us. Um, I also oversee all of the publication process as well. I'm not a publisher, I've never been a publisher, but we have a publishing department and it falls under my remit to make sure everything there works, that we deliver on time, um, that the team have everything they need to do what they do. Um, and also just be a point person for either everybody else, should they need anything from the publications department, but also from themselves as well. They can come to me if they have any concerns or, or what have you. Um, the final point I would say is bearing in mind that we're a global company, is also to act as an ambassador of the company on behalf of our US colleagues over here too. Mm -hmm. Because they have interests over here, as much as we represent Tom Stoppard in the UK, they represent Tom Stoppard over there too. Um, and so it can be my role to work with the agents on their behalf. With all due respect to my glorious US colleagues, sometimes the US have a different way of dealing with business than we do over in the UK. Okay. And so sometimes I could be sent in to sort of translate. <laughs> <laughs> and they won't mind me saying that, I don't think. Um, uh, but also acting as an ambassador in, uh, on behalf of ourselves to them as well. They want to know when something big and wonderful is happening in the UK because they want to know about it. So it's also part of my job to relay back to them what the climate is in the UK, mm. what's happening here. Uh, so that they're fully kept aware of stuff that they should be aware of, that should, they should be seeing, that they should be considering. If stuff is making its way over to the States, to Broadway or whatever, they want to know in advance. Um, so yes, it's, a, it, it's a, key, a key part of the job is relations, really, whether that's external or internal as well. Yeah. With this being so international as well, I suppose you do need to keep track of those different Absolutely. environments because things pop over all the time and you never know what's going to come from anywhere. And we don't just look in the UK and the US as well. We, we, we look uh, all over the place too, um, Australia or what have you. It's it. Things come in from various different places. Sure. Um, for plays, we work um, largely in the English language. However, for musicals, uh, we work in all languages. Languages, uh, which is wonderful because that increases our reach all over the world. We could be negotiating some license to do some show somewhere and that may involve a translation and therefore that translation needs a, a, a ranging etc. It, the more you open it up it becomes a, 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 an incredibly complex network um, but a joyful one at that. Nice. So something you touched on before was you came in, it sounds like you came into Samuel French with a vision, with a with a kind of, Whoa. with a is that a bit of a big word? <laughs> but a bit you, you, it sounds like you had you saw something in Samuel French that you wanted to have a go at changing something that you wanted yes. to, to improve. Do you think that that's important for a leader to come in and no. have that kind of vision? That is completely true. Um, I came in. I when I was first approached by the uh, about the role, I wasn't told what role it was or what company it was. I knew there was only a handful of people, handful of people that really did what we do. Um, but as soon as I was told what company it was, I was in much more intrigued because I might have had opinions about Samuel French. I might have uh, uh, questioned what their standing in the UK was. Um, uh, and so uh, there was something that I felt I could contribute towards this. I'm one of those people that thinks if you're offered a position or if something comes to you and everything's fine, then I'm not sure that that's necessarily exciting or a challenge. Um, everything was marvellous at Samuel French, it was doing incredibly well, etc. But there was just areas that I thought it could, it, it, it could move into, uh, particularly new work. I'm a firm believer that um, with all the infrastructure and systems that we have around the grand Agathas and, and all of that, if we just cut and paste a little bit of that infrastructure to support the new, mm. um, I would be incredibly excited to see what happens there. Likewise with musicals, as I just said, I don't necessarily think that they've been as proactive about the musical market as they could have been, and so I came in saying, 
why not? Let's try. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and it all seems to be going well. What's alarming about all of this is um, I, I'm still less than two years. April, uh, actually, it's the end of April is two years. Um, and so the journey that we've all been together, the company's changed so much in that time, not entirely down to me at all. There was a real want within the company to change. In fact, one thing I would say, actually, the interview procedure was one of the most sort of grown-up interview procedures I've ever been through, and that it was more of a discussion. If we were to do this, how would it work? What would it be about? And I've never been in that position before. Um, it's normally a bit like, what I can do, and here are my skills. Um, it was just much more of an open conversation about... This is what I think I'd do. Does that work for you? Is this of interest to you? Is this where you want the company to go? Um, and so there was a real opportunity to, to create and lead something. And that's why I said earlier, when leaving my last job, it was just too much of an opportunity. Um, I, I don't simply don't think that I would ever be asked, not to mention the fact it's a very unique role, it's a very unique company. I, do, I simply don't think I would ever be asked to be involved in something like that ever again. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I had to do it. Amazing. So it, it seems like they were quite open from the start to to kind of you fostering that change? They were, they were very, um, they were very excited. They were, um, they were, uh, <laughs> they still are now. Um, it was a, awesome. a real sense of relationship um, moving forward. Um, and I quickly got on it. Um, I took on my first title in, within two weeks of being there. Um, and it was reviewed exceptionally. And we felt from a licensing perspective that we could do something wonderful with it. And all of that is, is, is paying off now. What is interesting, having been there in that time, is that I am now starting to see titles that I took on way back when, less than two years ago, but way back when, and they're now going through their life cycle, as in when we took on that title, it might not necessarily be available for licensing purposes, but now that some of those shows are now becoming available, and it's interesting to see them doing business, thinking, oh God, people actually are recreating these productions for themselves. That's extraordinary. <laughs> it worked. Um, that's wonderful to see. Um, and it's yeah. wonderful to have, been a part, uh, to, to have been there long enough to see that life cycle. But no, they were very open to me. Um, it's a wonderful company in terms of support. I've simply never felt so supported anywhere else, with all due respect to everyone else that I work with. I've never felt as supported. I've always felt valued. Um, it's a large company, but it's not that huge. And so everyone really values everyone's personal contribution. Um, I'm not just saying this either. No, it's um, it's a really wonderful family setup, uh, and we've been through a lot of changes. Like I say, some as a result of me, some not. Um, but we've all stuck by each other and all just fallen into line, and we've all been very malleable and flexible. It's a really lovely um, environment, I have to say. That really sounds lovely. amazing. So you you really got that opportunity in that leadership role to be able to yeah. to, to be never, able to do what you wanted to do. It, I've never had such a senior position before. Did you not? And this is no in no way intended to be like to call out anyone that you've worked with, but when you encounter opposition to your ideas as a leader, mm -hmm. what did you, how did you overcome that? What sort of, how, what's, your, what's, your, what's your strategy with, with um, regards to that? Because obviously people things. won't necessarily. A number of things. Them. As I said, I've never done this job before. And so if somebody disagrees with, with my opinion, first things first is listen. Listen to what they're saying, because they might be right. They might be right. There might be an answer between the two opinions. Um, it's all about being collaborative, and it's also about being sensitive to, uh, to other people and what... There's a whole series of managers, and we each represent different departments, and something might work for us, but it might not work for other people. And so you've got to take that on board. I can talk to you about our acquisitions process. This is a really good example. The person before me, in terms of taking on new titles, took everything on themselves. It was their decision. They then informed the rest of the office. And we've taken on some wonderful titles doing that. I'm not denying that. Um, but I came into the job thinking, I simply can't do this on my own because, <laughs> not because of my own failings, but necessarily, although there's an element of that. Um, but actually, it's a, 
I respect our catalogue. It's a big deal for Samuel French to take a title on. People respect, people respect our catalogue. And so if we take something on, I need to know whether A, whether publishing can publish it in time, B, whether marketing feel that they can market it, and C, whether licensing can license it as well. Also, um, I, I need to have some sort of assurance from the RUS team that does it interest them, does it not interest them, etc. And so um, to exactly counter this point of facing opposition really mm -hmm. we have a meeting every week Thursday afternoons two o'clock where we talk about everything that's come through that week uh, uh, um, whether we want to proceed with it or not and we just simply go through every title and talk about it what it is where it's happening who, who's involved and we talk about what its potential future is as well and it's that decision-making process collaboratively as, as a team um, that then ensures whether we make an offer on something or not mm -hmm. whether we decide to proceed with something um, I'm in no way uh, a closed off to other people's opinions at all, actually. And I, I'm not just saying that. I think people around me would say that too. It's all about listening and being sensitive to other people. Of course, there'll be some times when I, when I think, oh, this is astounding, we have to be doing this. And, uh, there'll be other, uh, and there's been one or two occasions when um, unilaterally everyone else has said, you're mad, this is nonsense, what are you mm. talking about? Um, and so there did a couple of moments when, for the sake of the team, you just think, all right, fine, we'll let it go. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to do that because for all the other times when it's a win, then you've all done it together. Um, and so no, I'm really proud that I introduced that to the company. And I think people are really enjoying getting much more involved in it as mm -hmm. well. Um, it's much more welcoming in that respect. Um, people have a say. And that also goes infiltrates much further of the company too. Um, we have a, a reading panel so that the stuff that we're really focusing in on, uh, we then share it with um, the panel across the office for them to have a read and then say what they feel about it. And that's open to everyone in the company, whether they work in accounts or whether they work in marketing or whatever. It gives them an opportunity to get engaged with the material and have their say on the mm -hmm. material. Like, likewise, we also have a theatre coverage committee. I can't possibly see every show in the land. Um, I'm tired. Um, so, but it's also a wonderful opportunity to, again, to invite everybody else to get involved. And so when we, we sit down once a month with a list of what the shows are that month and we just divvy it up. And that can be down to whether it's a personal favourite of somebody, that could be down to whether the theatre's at the end of their road. Um, it can be all sorts of things, but it just means it gets divvied up and that everyone's opinion is taken uh, into consideration. And it basically means that everyone feels much um, more involved in the entire process. But the benefit to it all is, is that when we finally do take on a title, it also means that I'm not just then passing it to people saying, here we are, get on with it. People have already invested in it from the, from the very first stage. So our marketing team already know what it is, who the author is, and what they can be saying about it. And our licensing team already can be start to visualize who, who we should be pointing this title at, mm -hmm. if it makes sense, if that makes sense. So um, it's just created a much more wonderful, theatrically engaged community, but also a community that's much more engaged in our new titles too if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So it's sort of more about sort of, instead of facing down that opposition or, or different no, ideas, it's about conglomerating and making sure that everyone's on the Totally part. collaborative, yeah. totally collaborative. And that's an, uh, an ethos that the entire company supports too. That model, the various models actually we inherited from the US too. Um, another thing I would say as well is that we've actually learned a lot from our US colleagues. Um, we're wonderful, they're wonderful. And they have a lot of systems and various other things. And I think, um, there was a relationship before the two, um, but I think I've played my part in instilling a far greater um, role in leaning in on what the US office is, uh, is up to too. We can learn a lot from them. But what's also been nice along the way is actually we've been doing bits and pieces that they've turned to us and be like, excuse me, what are you up to? That looks very interesting. Yeah. And so it works very much on a, a two-way street. So the entire process is just so much more collaborative now and it's a much healthier and positive environment as a result. Yeah, I mean everyone must be generally more happy when they're feeling their really opinions happy. are being heard. Really happy, absolutely. Um, uh, we have meet, oh, 
<laughs> One thing I would say is Samuel French loves a meeting. That's mm -hmm. too many meetings. Um, <laughs> but um, we have departmental meetings, uh, we have uh, uh, UK team meetings, and once a month we also have um, UK and US meetings as well. And so it's just wonderful, endless platform after platform where people can talk openly and share. I'm really keen to create a safe space where people can say whatever they want. Um, uh, and I think all sorts of implicit tones of leadership come into that, whether it's trust, it's honesty, it's respect. Um, it's uh, a sense of enjoyment as well. I want, uh, th there is a hierarchy to our office, but what I'm pleased and proud to say, and I think I've actually heard people in the office say that, that the hierarchy only needs to come into play when something, when a decision needs to be made. Mm -hmm. That actually it's a much more fluid and uh, um, it's a, uh, I would go as far, I'd say it's a light-hearted, it's a really positive environment and I think people feel very comfortable there. Uh, are there any other instances or particular moments that stand up to you from a leadership perspective or just something you think that people would be interested in hearing from, from what uh, you're doing? Yes, um, I, uh, one of the things I'm most proud about in putting on my CV is um, uh, being on the Olivier panel, which I did um, uh, for an entire year. It was a wonderful experience um, to see how the, all that works. Uh, it's a very privileged environment. Um, you're normally invited to be on it as a member of the uh, industry, as a member of the industry, um, but they also have a certain allocation of people uh, to, from the general public, and I applied as a member of the general public. And at, what happened was that actually they then classed me as a, a, an industry professional, which is wonderful. Um, and so it was really wonderful to be in that position, in that room of like 10 people, sort of making decisions about what should happen. That was a really, I don't know if that's necessarily leadership, but it certainly felt very important to me, and it felt very important to be a part of that. Um, it's also now wonderful to be able to say to people that you're part of that experience and also feel very privileged to be to know how that experience works as well. Um, it's something that I, uh, I will never forget, I will mm. always take away with me. Uh, I've not had the time to do it since, I've, I've not been asked, um, but I've not, I've not had the time to do it since. But I, um, I would definitely recommend that to people. The most important thing about that though is about trying. Mm. I saw an opportunity. I didn't know if it was available to me. I didn't know if it would be taken seriously, but I gave it a go. I'm a firm believer in if you don't ask, you don't get. Brilliant, thank you. And that seems to have stayed through, through right from the start, from when you, when yeah, you were absolutely. trying to do this. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's never going to come to you. You have to create your own opportunities. I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. That takes confidence and mm. that takes... Um, uh, um, actually, does it take... I wouldn't say confidence is the right word because that makes it sound like you need to be a sort of a big brash showy mm. person to, to get this stuff. It just takes a sort of an inquisitive nature and openness to just think... Give it a go. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? They'll say no. They've said no a lot to me over the time. <laughs> but sometimes, perhaps some of the most important times, they said yes. Brilliant. Okay, so despite what many people may think, this is not actually the first time we've met each other. No, it's not. No, we, so uh, you are... Well, I sat here really awkwardly talking I, to I know. It may, it, may, it may look like we are strangers. <laughs> No, no. Um, so uh, you are involved with the Durham Leadership Academy. I am. As am I, and you are my mentor. So do I you, am. Do you want to talk, not necessarily about me, let's keep, keep it about that. It but, was really hard. Oh uh, yeah, was I, was, <laughs> I, was, I, was I a bit of a lost case? But um, sort of generally, how's that experience been? What, what, what is, how does that work? What's your role within, within the Leadership Academy here? So a friend of mine uh, uh, notified me to this because I believe so, uh, um, Chantelle, who runs it, was looking for somebody to work uh, to get involved who had more of a, a take on theatre. Um, and uh, I got this email saying, would I be interested? And I thought, yeah, sounds, sounds great. Um, I'm really proud to be uh, a, a Durham alumni. I had some of the best years of my life here. 
And it's such a beautiful place. I get to go to Edinburgh, I get to go to Newcastle, I get to go to various places. And whenever it breaks through, the, the train breaks through those trees, my heart just melts every time. Uh, and so the opportunity to come back and do something perhaps a bit more meaningful, I hate the phrase give back, it's not that at all. But to just have a, a reason and opportunity to come here, I thought was really important. Um, and also just to be asked to contribute to something like this because it sort of suggests that you might have something that other people might, you might have something to say that other people might want to hear. Um, that's alarming and fascinating to me because <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm 37 now, I'm by no means done in my own career path, um, but maybe I have something that, that might be to say that might benefit other people and so I'm very happy to do that. Um, so I signed up to be a mentor. I was given you. Um, uh, and Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it's been wonderful. And it's been wonderful to, um, uh, there's an element of nostalgia in it, I'll be completely honest. Um, uh, you will know I ask you about what happens to this space or is that person still there or mm -hmm. what have you. And uh, what shows are you doing now? Um, uh, there's a wonderful element of nostalgia about it, but also it's wonderful to be in a position, and I like to think you felt the same, where actually if you had any questions about anything, you could just ask, and I would, I don't know if I'm the right person to answer, but I'd give you whatever I can. Uh, I imagine also it must just be a comfort to know that somebody else is there and somebody else who's been Absolutely. through it all um, can, uh, whether it's worth it or not, make you give you whatever point is. So it's been a really, positive, really positive experience, and I'm pleased to be doing it again for the second year. I have another mentee now, sorry. <coughs> like I'm I cheating. understand. It's like I'm cheating. Um, <laughs> it's not you, it's me. Um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, and it's wonderful to be able to speak with that person as well, to hear their challenges, which are a different set entirely. Um, what's also really wonderful, and I think it speaks a lot about Durham people, is their ability to, uh, their, their open bookness, their sort of their want to lean in. I think it's a nice and wonderful thing that you've been selected to be a part of this programme. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity to uh, learn from that. Um, but it takes a certain mindset to go into something like that. And so, without question, uh, both yourself and my current mentee, uh, they're naturally fun, inquisitive, wanting to know and wanting to get on people. And that's great for somebody like me to see what I can say and see what I can do if it's of, if it's of help. Yeah, I can personally say that it's been a, a great, great experience for me. And the thing that is the best about it is sort of having that perspective from someone that isn't in any way connected to you. It's yeah. completely unbiased. We did not know each other. You talk to your family members, they'll have an opinion. You talk to uh, even people that you do whatever you do with at uni with, mm -hmm. and they'll have their own perspective on things. And having someone that's completely separate to that who will give you sort of that honest viewpoint and yeah. a, a different viewpoint to anyone else that's that's involved as a professional in whatever industry you're trying to break into. Absolutely. It's, it's an amazing opportunity, and so th thank you again. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's now on film, me thanking you, <laughs> but yes. Uh, no, I say, uh, no, but it's actually also really interesting for me as well because um, I am doing a talk for the leadership, um, uh, uh, the speaker series, um, and going through all that, preparing all of that, actually it's a really wonderful moment for me to step back and think, Christ, I've done this, mm. or... Just to look at myself, as I said, I was a very different person when I came to university than certainly I am now, not least than by the time I left. And so um, the past week I've been putting together whatever I'm going to say uh, for this talk, and it's been a real moment of reflection, which not only reflects wonderfully well on my time at Durham University as a whole, but it's also sometimes if things aren't going right or the stress, the, str the strain, etc., um, you fail to take a step back and look at the bigger picture, and that can be what you've achieved. And actually doing something like this is, uh, it, it, in many ways, it's as beneficial for the people that do it, that, that are the mentors. Certainly. Because it gives you that opportunity to look back and think, 
gosh, uh, I've, I've done something. <laughs> um, and that's a nice feeling. So and I think it, I speak for, for the mentees in general. We're very grateful to have, yeah. to have people like you and, uh, on board. Thank you. Um, so the final thing we're going to do today, you're going to absolutely hate me. Many, many great historical figures throughout the history of leadership have, have, have put, their, put their own personal spin on what it is to, to be a leader. They, they quote the quotes of, of, of Star history books for many years. Right. What, if there's something that you want people listening to go away with today on, from your aspect of leadership, to throw you in completely in the deep end. No, this is fine. Just in, in sort of one, one or two sentences, probably one sentence if, if you can. Um, uh, something that I'm going to talk a lot about in my, sp in my talk is, um, bear with me on this, uh, is something I learned from Samuel French, is gratitude. The ability to show gratitude, I think it's a wonderful and a key part of a leader to be able to show gratitude, to acknowledge the contributions that other people make. I in no way think that's a weakness of the leader, that they didn't achieve it entirely themselves. Mm. I think it's um, a wonderful thing to be able to acknowledge everyone around you and what they've been able to do. Um, uh, whether that's right down to, I was in a desperate mood and someone made me a cup of tea, I love that person. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or whether it's uh, they played their part in winning a successful pitch or something. Uh, I think we don't do it enough generally as a whole that we don't show thanks enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a really big and important thing for any leader to do to be able to say thank you to people. Um, this might sound a bit wanky and a bit American, and mm -hmm. that's because it kind of is. Um, but whenever we have big staff meetings, at the end of the meeting, we always set aside a good 10 minutes or so to show gratitude to somebody in the room to say, on this day, this wasn't working, the printer wasn't working, but this person came in and sorted it and I love them for it. It's a really good, positive, beneficial thing to do. Not for, if for no other reason, not because it's nice to be able to say thank you, not because it's nice to receive a thanks, but actually doing something like that just then instills in your headspace that you need to be thinking about mm -hmm. it all the time to thank people. Um, and so that is the one thing I would say is the most important thing, just the ability to say thanks. Thank you. I think it's a very wholesome note to Thanks. end on. Thank you so much for, for joining us company. for the first episode of the Leader Podcast. Hilarious, the first one. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, Stephen. Hilarious. I hope you've had fun. I feel fun. like I should shake your hand. Let's do it. Good. Uh, thank you, Stephen, for coming. <laughs> thank you so much for having me.